Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Acquaintance be forgot. This is our last show of 2022, and what a great year it has been. We got our guy Aaron on board, we got our team together, and we are rocking and rolling. And we want to finish this up with the biggest week we have ever had. And we are on track, ladies and gentlemen. But dang, do we have stuff to talk about? Kevin Warren, the commissioner, third year of the Big Ten, and a guy I personally really really like is up for the president ceo of the chicago bears now let me ask you a question this is a high-powered man like my two jobs came down and they were very high-powered between outkick and doing my local radio show and i gotta tell you i felt like a million bucks having those two options i did <clears throat> but imagine imagine your two choices are to stay and be the commissioner of the Big Ten, where you've been for three years, or go back in the NFL. Remember, Kevin Warren was involved, big time involved, with the Minnesota Vikings before he came on board with the Big Ten. And he built a new stadium or helped build a new stadium in Minnesota, which by all accounts is considered a glorious stadium. So now let's fast forward over to the Chicago Bears, Kevin Warren, who Ohio State people lost their minds on, I think unfairly, in 2020 when he probably overreacted and canceled football. But I give Kevin Warren great credit because Kevin Warren then listened to the constituents and flipped, flipped back, and we had football. And it was glorious for at least us in the great state of Indiana. Michael Penix, I'll get into Michael Penix. I saw him last night. Oh, she bishka bibble. For Washington, he was at Indiana. He stretched for a touchdown. He beat Penn State at Indiana. I don't even want to get in. But the 2020 season was pretty daggone good. Now reports are that Kevin Warren is one of the finalists for the job with the Chicago Bears. Now, let me set this straight here, okay? Let's just understand how the world works. You're not a finalist for a job you don't want. Now, let me say that again. You're not a finalist for a job you don't want. When you are Kevin Warren and you are the commissioner of the Big Ten, you're not a finalist. I'm sorry, you're not. You either have the job or you're going to see an announcement saying, yeah, I don't know where this report came from. I'm very happy here in the Big Ten. You're not a finalist. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work where you, me, and Kevin Warren are battling it out for this job. We've thrown our hats in the ring. It does not work that way. Uh, when you're Kevin Warren, you either got the job or you don't have the job. That's it. Period. And the beauty for the Chicago Bears on hiring Kevin Warren is that you've got a guy who is used to, ladies and gentlemen, building a building, building a facility, building a complex. And guess what? The Chicago Bears are moving out of the downtown area, out of Lakeshore Drive, out of historic but crappy Soldier Field. And they are moving to the Arlington Park racetrack. 
Arlington Park is about from downtown, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. There's always traffic, so it's going to take you forever, but that's all right. Parking at Soldier Field is abysmal. So whoever is in charge of the Arlington Park project is going to be viewed, mark my words, as the greatest guy ever because people in Chicago ain't mad about going out to Arlington and the space that they have there is incredible. It'll be a mall. It'll be a playground, basically. So Kevin Warren is your guy. And you know what? Good for Kevin Warren. But you will see this very quickly. Kevin Warren is not interviewing and then walking out and the next guy is coming in to interview. That ain't how this works. So we shall see what we shall see with Kevin Warren. But it ain't what you think. He's either got the job right now and there'll be an announcement or you will see very quickly he is announcing, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's the way this goes. All right, let's talk Thursday night football. And I want it from this perspective. When's the last time, and you Colt fans will understand this, when's the last time you saw a team in not the middle of the season, but the end of the season, not really, really need a win? That is in first place, in a first place tie in its division. Now, I'm going to say this again because I don't think I explained it properly. You got the Titans. They're in a tie with Jacksonville. There are two games left. The Titans are playing the Cowboys. You would think, man, must win, but au contraire. No. The Titans against the Cowboys mattered for one reason and one reason only for the Titans. They needed to find a quarterback, and maybe in Josh Dobbs, they did. Ryan Tannehill out, Malik Willis not ready. Dobbs looked okay. Now, if guys could catch the ball, particularly in the first half, Dobbs would look really good. In Indianapolis, we have seen what? We've seen Peyton come out, Curtis Painter go in. We've seen go to Buffalo, take everybody out. Your team has clinched a division. But think about it. With two games left, Two, that's it. And a tie in the division. That game didn't matter. Why didn't it matter? Because it's winner take all next week. Titans going into the Jaguars. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I said it. The Jaguars. You know why you listen to my show? You know why for years people have listened to me? Because a while back, first time Colts went into play, the Jaguars. A dear friend of mine who is with the Colts sent me a text that said, hey, Dan, on the team playing, we all know the Jaguars have surpassed the Colts as a franchise. And I'm like, what? Huh? Well, guess what? The Jaguars have surpassed the Colts as a franchise. Colts are starting Nick Foles, who was worse than me. Colts don't have a coach. Colts don't have an offensive coordinator. Colts don't have nothing. They got some guy in there from TV coaching the team. Jaguars, you know what they're doing? They're on a heater. They're on a big-time heater, and their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is getting better. So guess what? Jaguars have surpassed the Colts. They have moved past them, and I'm sick about it. It should not happen. It cannot happen. It should not happen. There is nothing good that should happen about that. But it has. All right, let me go something else. Was this all just a sham? I don't know if you saw this, but in the middle of the night last night, out of the blue, I mean, out of the blue, 
the January 6th committee basically said, yeah, we were just a sham to get midterms done. They rescinded their subpoena on Donald Trump and they closed up shop. That's what they did. They closed up shop. They said, eh, eh, we're good. We're good. Don't worry about it. What are you talking about? No, look it up. And I put it out on Twitter last night, and people said, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. how many conspiracy theories? How many? How many conspiracy theories do you have to have? Come true, right-wing conspiracy theories before you go, wait a second. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's true. What? It's true. And people say, well, you don't understand. Okay, enlighten me. Enlighten me. The January 6th committee, that was a big deal, right? At least to the Democrats who wanted to win the midterms and they put the entire world of the Republicans up on trial, said this yesterday. In light of the intimate end of our investigation, the select committee can no longer pursue the specific information covered by the subpoena. Therefore, through this letter, I hereby formally withdraw the subpoena issued to former President Trump and notify you that he's no longer obligated to comply or produce records in response to said subpoena. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The committee had released its long-anticipated final report on the attack on the U.S. Capitol last week, finding that Trump engaged in a criminal multi-part conspiracy to overturn the results. Uh-huh. Here's the deal. You know what the deal is? You always stand up to bullies. You always stand up. So Trump said, you're crazy. Screw you. I got evidence that I did no such thing. And he sued him. He, he said they probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong, Trump said, or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in rigging the election played into their decision. In any event, the subpoena is dead. Isn't this amazing, the world we live in? So, again, this is another thing that uh, the American people got duped by. It's another thing where the American people... Uh, got duped by a government that is so, so, so corrupt. We sit there and we actually put on national TV a January 6th committee featuring the dumbest of the dumb, old-ass Democrats, trying to prove that Donald Trump actually, what is the right word, uh, led an insurrection when the evidence is all the opposite. And yet here we go. And they sneak it in right before New Year when people aren't paying attention. It's truly unfreaking believable. It really and truly is. But there we are, and there we have it. That is your liberal government at work. It is very odd how these right-wing conspiracy theories, quote, come true. I got called a pathetic, I forget, who now works for a right-wing conspiracy website, Outkick, by the Indianapolis Star. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, what you could substitute for right-wing conspiracy is a truth-telling organization that is unafraid of the truth and doesn't pander in the website of Outkick. Man, 
All right, back to sports. Urban Meyer is joining us in a few minutes. And Urban Meyer said something that I think most of us believe, but because the media is so stupid, uh, when you say it, it gets questioned. The college football playoff semifinal is tomorrow. And I can't wait. No, really, I can't wait. In fact, my wife and I are driving from here on our way to Nashville to do a show Monday, but we're stopping because, well, we got to watch the college football semifinal starting at 4 o'clock East. Urban Meyer came out and said there's a there's a, not a talent discrepancy between Georgia and Ohio State. So we have it here for you from 24-7 Sports. There it is. Georgia, five stars, 15. Ohio State, five-star recruits, 14. Georgia, four-star recruits, 53. Ohio State, 52. Three-star recruits, Georgia, 17. Three-star recruits, Ohio State, 16. It's the same. When you look at rankings now, Michigan and TCU, you see what Michigan's been able to do. They have molded, they have 82 four and three stars to 76 four and three stars of TCU. See, TCU's done a masterful job, according to this, of developing talent. But I would argue so is Ohio State. I would argue so is Georgia. You know, Urban's been on this show before, and he says, look, the way you know if you've molded talent at Ohio State is the NFL draft. And boy, oh boy, they got a lot of guys in the NFL draft, so does Georgia. Michigan, same thing, ton of guys in the NFL draft. TCU, not so much, but you can see they've taken the right three-star recruits. They've taken the proper guys, guys that'll work at it, guys that'll get going on it, guys that'll say, hey, wait a second, I may be a three-star recruit, but I got to tell you, I'm going to work my brains out. And next thing you know, I'm going to be a four-star recruit immediately. Then I'm going to be a five-star recruit. And then I'm going to beat the hell out of every four- and five-star recruit that I play against. And that's exactly what TCU has done. Now, another thing Urban talked about and I'm curious about is the underdog role. I mean, let's be honest. We have two distinct underdogs in this game, TCU first and foremost. Sonny Dykes came out, and what did he say? He said, hey, look, we're still in prove-it mode. And he's right. But you know what? Other than Alabama, other than Georgia, I don't know. Isn't everybody, other than to a degree Ohio State, isn't everybody in prove-it mode? I Looks like to me, hey, I think Michigan's in prove-it mode. The great Urban Meyer joins us. Coach, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? My man, I haven't moved since you saw me last. I'm in the same freaking spot. How good does it feel to end 2022 with not only a blank kicking of my brother and my nephew, but we made him quit on the 18th. How good does that feel just to win? I never thought I'd see someone just tap the top of their head and say, I've had enough. You want to press one more time? They said, no, we're good. So. You know, they have that in the UCF. It's called you beat someone into submission. You know what I'm saying? Submit. <laughs> they got to tap, tap out. We've submitted. Hey, I just showed, you talked about the talent of 
Ohio State relative to Georgia. And we used recruiting rankings to show that in terms of where guys four-star, five-star, three-star, that kind of stuff, it's absolutely the truth. You've been adamant that the discrepancy in talent between Georgia and Ohio State isn't that great. Yeah, I don't think there is a talent uh, discrepancy. I think they're they're both the most talented teams in the country. They've recruited the best. Uh, they have very good staffs that develop people. And, and I always tell people there's a great way to evaluate recruiting, and that's called the NFL draft. And you'll see next year. I mean, what's amazing to me is Georgia had 15 players drafted, and they reloaded like that. So they, they've they got, you know, that's – I don't want to say it's unprecedented because I don't know that for sure, but that – they're in on they're on the run right now in, in uh, Athens, Georgia, of recruiting that has really been unmatched. Now, Ohio State's right there though too. You look at just the talent level, and I and I'm not looking at five stars, four stars. I'm looking at the the tape, the video, and there it's there's NFL players everywhere. This will be one of the most talented matchups in recent history. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. Interior of the defensive line of Georgia, amazingly good. Pass rush, edge rush. Ohio State may be able to throw the football a little bit. Yeah, they lost their best pass rusher early in the year at Georgia on the outside. But the inside, Jalen Carter, number 88, the more you watch the guy, the guy is as dominant. Uh, there was a guy named Dorsey at LSU, and I'm going way back. But he, he the interior player, uh, Jalen Carter, he's twitched, he's big, he's fast. Uh, he's tough as nails. And the more you watch him, that this this is not a matchup that's good for Ohio State because our interior, the Ohio State interior offense line, I don't believe will be able to handle him. So, yeah, there's there's ways to – you need to get, we all say, get four hands on the guy. And four hands would either be a tackle coming down on him or a tailback, which LSU did that quite a bit. LSU had, gave the quarterback a lot of time to throw. He threw for 500 yards. Uh, but your tailback and double. So, watch – Watch for Jalen Carter. There's no chance that uh, Ohio State can single him up on, on one of the guards, or, or certainly not the center. So let me ask you, as a coach, all right, um, you got a line coach, defensive line, offensive line coach, and you're Ohio State. How much time are you putting in to Jalen Carter? Every second of your wake, every <laughs> every waking moment as the head coach in the line. I mean, that's the line coach at Ohio State's not slow. I mean, he's – He's dreaming of Jalen Carter, and that, that's there's nothing else on his mind right now because that guy's a game wrecker. He can change the game, and and Ohio State's going to throw. I bet it's seventy thirty. What I mean by seven thirty, I bet it's seventy percent pass against Georgia. Georgia's got the number one rush defense in America. Uh, Ohio State's not healthy at tailback. Trayvon Henderson's not playing, and they've had other issues just with health. They're not a great downhill run team. So this is going to be if Ohio State has a chance to win this game, it's going to be. You know, the, you know, I think the best player in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud. Now, here's what Georgia has. Though. Georgia's had a month to prepare. And there's no way that uh, Georgia will just say, we're going to allow Marvin Harrison. He, Marvin, Marvin Harrison, this is a great way to look at it. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the same impact player that Jalen Carter is for Georgia's defense. So there's, you have to have, I would be shocked if Georgia left him by himself because Marvin Harrison Jr. can beat you. Um, I'm not sure, you know, the other guys are book uh, number two is really good player, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is a premier, premier player. How, how big a deal is it that the Henderson kid is out? How, how big is that? I think it's big. I, he's a home run hitter. He, he hasn't had a great year because he's been hurt a lot. Um, but yeah, anytime, uh, 
on your marquee player. You know, I don't, it's going to be a little bit running back by committee. And you start getting this level, you know, we won in a 14. We had a horse back there named Zeke Elliott. And he had, in a three-game run, he had 250, 250, 250. And Ohio State just doesn't have that right now. So, but they do have the ability to throw the ball. Hey, let me let me go with offensively with Georgia. You know, uh, Stetson Bennett wasn't supposed to be there. He's there. He's a Heisman guy. Wh- wh- where's Georgia offensively? If, can they can they beat Ohio State? I guess what I'm saying is long drives, field position, great punter for Ohio State. You know, if he if he has a day, can Stetson Bennett beat you with long drives? Stetson Bennett is the most underrated player in college football. You know, you you watch him; he's good. He he. What I love about the kid, he's twenty seven and three as a starter. There there is going to be a name attached to him for the rest of his lifetime, and that's called a winner, which I think is the most important label you can have. You know, great athlete, great thrower. That's fine, but he's a winner, and he's twenty seven and <clears throat> twenty seven and three. What I like about him, what I love about him, and I love quarterbacks like this. He's got some swagger to him. He distributes the ball, but most importantly, when it's time to go get a first down, he's going to put his foot in the ground and go get it. And he's, uh, that's why I, I just love quarterbacks like that because today or, or tomorrow in this game, it's going to be a bunch of broken plays. When great teams play each other, things don't open up like it did against the lower-level teams you play. So the quarterback's going to have to make things happen, and he, he, he's really good at that. You mentioned you mentioned Urban. You mentioned Jalen Carter. You mentioned Marvin Harrison. Let me go offensively and take Bennett out of it. Offensively for Georgia, is there a guy that you deem as a game changer? And a question also defensively for Ohio State, is there a guy? Yeah, let's start first on Ohio State's defense. JT, the defensive end, is a, a monster. He's an elite player. Uh, Eichenberg, the linebacker, is a really good player. You know, he's not the great space player, but he's a he'll, he'll come out of this game with 15 tackles. Uh, the key is going to be can the secondary play better than they did against the Wolverines because pretty much all year, it, it, you know, Ohio State really didn't face a great quarterback all year. Think about that. In the Big Ten Conference, you had Sean Clifford at Penn State, who's a really good player, but he's not a first-round draft pick. You know, they've not really been challenged. And then they get J.J. McCarthy, who really struggled up until that game on downfield passes, and he torched them. You know, he had some big hits against them. So this secondary is going to be challenged. Georgia's unique on offense. They're a tight end-centric offense. They have two excellent tight ends that uh, are both NFL players. Uh, you know, one's an outstanding blocker, and I believe his name's Henderson. Uh, I'm sorry if I screwed that up, but. They're a tight end-centric team, and that's going to challenge the Ohio State safeties. Once again, they played well all year until that Wolverine game, and they didn't play well at all. So it's going to be a very unique uh, offense that Ohio State's going to see. Uh, they do want to drive the ball. They do want to possess the ball. Georgia does, and they have the ability to because they're a little bit running back by committee. They have two or three really good running backs, but their two tight ends are key to their offense. I mean, I, hey, look, that kid Mike Mayer at Notre Dame and then the Brock Bowers kid, one of the tight ends you're talking about at Georgia, those dudes just look different to me. Bowers is just – he looks like a, he looks like Gronkowski to me. Yeah, and he's fast. He, he's a yeah. guy that took one eighty yards earlier in the year. <clears throat> they run end of rounds with him. They, You know, he's, he's a uh, high draft pick, and he's really fast, which is a matchup nightmare for a defense. I, I heard – I saw an interview with you <clears> – <throat> 
was yesterday, the day before, and you were talking about something, and this could actually go to both games. I'll get into the Michigan game in a minute, but I want to stay with Ohio <laughs> State. You talked about embracing the underdog role. If you have real toughness, then that can be a really good thing. Can you explain that? Yeah, <clears throat> especially with younger players, motivation once you get to this level. Uh, it's going to be hard to – it's not the secret play anymore. It's not the – you're not going to have the matchups that you do sometimes when you face – you know, we talk about Marvin Harrison Jr., but Georgia's got a good second. You know, the matchups aren't going to be that different. What it is, it's going to be mindset. And the mindset is you – know, so you get in the heads of a 17, 18-, 19-year-old, and, and love, fear, and hate are the most – strongest forms of motivation love is the strongest but you know what the second one is hatred or disrespect or and we played that i mean that i loved it when we when we got to these kind of games where we were the underdog and I, you know we had announcers and media saying you didn't belong or why why are they here i would use that and then i would gauge the mentality of our team because i'd throw it at them a little bit and i'd actually poke at them a lot and if i saw them get pissed off and start practicing harder and the focus more intense. And that look, you know, you've seen that, that look in a guy's eye. I mean, if, in 14, I saw that and I saw a bunch of tough ass dudes that got really, really pissed. And then we went off on that. That was the whole mentality. The obvious issue with that is if it's not a tough group. If it's not a tough group, Dan, and you start, you know, they, they might start believing it. So you got to be really, you got to be really careful. But when you have a tough ass group, and you challenge them, and they get that their eyes change, you say when a player's eyes change color, you're about to kick someone's ass in because that's that's a really good feeling. Yeah, it, we're, we're, let me ask you. You know, there's a big difference between being there every day and being a coach, and and not being there every day. How would you rate Ohio State from from your perspective, where you sit? Yeah, I'm not With there that. every day. I'm not there every day, but I know the strength. I do know the infrastructure. I do know Coach Day. I know Coach Marati. I can't say I know the players because I, I still have some guys there that I recruited, but I don't know. I'm I don't know like that. Yeah. I, I would I would I would say that this is a extremely pissed team that slash pissed embarrassed about, you know, and the the Wolverine game, it's almost like they won't go away. You know, and it, like uh, I was talking to Gary Stoke, and he's the president of the Peach uh, the, of the Chick Fil A Bowl here, and he said at one point that to tell the media quit asking questions about the Wolverine game. That one's over. This they're playing Georgia, and so it, it's they've had that thrust at them for the last three weeks. So you know, I would anticipate an Ohio State Buckeye right now is extremely up, you know, pissed off about what happened, and they get a chance to redeem themselves. Please tell Gary Stoke and I said hello. I love that guy. He was our Converse guy 100 years ago at Indiana. Wow. Yeah, how about that? He's a great dude. Um, Michigan. Now, you get pissed off, not you, but Ohio State, you know, they got embarrassed. Sometimes with players, and this is what I always said about Bob Knight, my coach, the best thing he did was make you forget success. Like, you're not walking out of there going, hey, we – we beat Ohio State. Yeah, okay, well, we got Michigan on Wednesday. You know what I mean? So I don't want to hear about what we just did. Michigan's in a different situation. They've been hearing how great they are, and they also have been hearing 
Yeah, you know, it's just TCU. Where's Michigan? What What is your thought on that matchup? You just said that that's the number one concern. I, I think the Wolverines are a heck of a team. I mean, they're they're an offensive line and, and defensive line-driven team, and that's how you win championships. All due respect to all the great quarterbacks, receivers, and all, but you get to the – that's all good when you're facing lesser teams. But once this once everything starts to equal out a little bit, you start with that center of the Wolverines and that offensive line, they've been dominant all year. Same thing with the defensive line. And, you know, Blake Corum gets hurt. Donovan Edwards gets in there and has a big day. Those are great players, but you know who got it started is the offensive line. So comfort is a four-letter word. I remember Woody Hayes saying that. I remember Earl Bruce, Bob Knight. That would always be, when I was coaching, that was one of my most fearful. You know, you win a big game at Ohio State, and, you know, they're printing uh, national championship tickets. Right. And that's case at all. So uh, I think Coach Harbaugh, that's one of the things he has to manage because TCU will find a way to punch you right in the face. They'll find a way to hang in there. Talent-wise, there's going to be a discrepancy. We went and did two games at uh, TCU, and I stood next to their players. They run a 3-3-5 style on defense, so it's more confusion than just matchups. Like Georgia has matchups. They don't have a Jalen Carter. They don't have on the first day of the NFL draft, you're not going to see a bunch of TCU players going. What they have are really, really good players with great coaches and a great heart, and they got something. They got a chemistry on that team. It's really fun to watch. I mean, they, we were at the Baylor game. That game was over, and they found a way to go down the field and win the game. That's Max Duggan is a tough, tough guy, and they are a team that's going to be hard to beat. Urban, you mentioned how you would handle it, look in the eye of Ohio State player, uh, see if they're upset or see if they're giving in. All right. You're the co. You know what does Harbaugh do here? What 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 is his tactic to ensure that his team isn't comfortable? What what have you done in the past? Because your teams have been heavily favored in big games. I would always try to make practices so hard that that you know it was a survival mentality that you know when when you have tough guys they appreciate that you know we we ran into that like you said several times and and unfortunately we were upset a couple times in some games where. You try to make it hard, and then uh, you wish. I would always tell people, I wish I could take my team and get them on a de deserted island somewhere and quit staring at their phones and quit telling about the NFL draft top 10 picks and, you know, how you're the greatest offensive, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, that's a problem. And it's never been more of a problem than right now with NIL, with, you know, NFL, with the media telling you how great you are. So I I'm curious. But the way we did it to answer your question, I would always try to make practices at least seem really, really hard so that the focus was on – it was a survival mentality. Do you buy – you know, announcers say, oh, they got nothing to lose. I, I never bought that. I'm like, wait, wait a second. We're one of the four teams here. If we lose, it's no different than Ohio State losing. or Shoot, we're, this is our opportunity. Do you buy into we have nothing to lose in terms of TCU? I've never heard, you know, I've never heard someone in the foxhole say something like that. Like you said, right. when you hear someone say I have nothing to lose and, you know, you're looking at the person who says it, you know, that, no. Now, this is an opportunity for TCU. By the way, have you ever been to Fort Worth and TCU, Dan? Yeah. yeah. My God, is that a wonderful place. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I could live there. I mean, that's a beautiful place, great people, real safe environment, clean environment. and uh, But TCU, I mean. Sonny Dykes, what he's done there. And, and, and remember Gary Patterson. You know, someone said that on our set saying, well, you know, Sonny Dykes turned around that whole org. He, he just kind of made some changes. That, that is a great place. Gary Patterson's a Hall of Fame coach. 
Sonny Dykes made some changes, and here they are. But they could cement themselves as a as an elite program. But they're not far off. They've been, you know, think about what they've done the last 15 years. In 2014, Dan, we had to jump them to go to the playoffs. That's how good they were. They were a top five, top 16. So it's it's a really neat story, TCU. How good is Duggan? I like I I, I want I would love watching Duggan. I couldn't believe that they didn't give him the ball in a two-yard line in the championship game, but that's a different story. I mean, how good is this kid? Yeah, I recruit I actually recruited him when I was at Ohio State. My father was a high school coach. He's from up in Iowa. And uh you go up there and you talk to him and you saw right away what he is, but you also see his father. His father's a tough ass coach. And you just I mean he's everything you want in a football player. We went down there, we're on the golf course, me, Reggie, and and we're playing Reggie Bush and we're playing golf and Duggins comes out and hangs out with us on the golf course. And he's just, he's got that swagger to him. He's got the confidence and he is, you know, you're right. I mean, those on third down and two or third and one and fourth and one, it would have been hard not to tell that quarterback to run off tackle, you know, QB power, QB zone. Cause he, you know, to say he would have found a way to get in. I, I think he would have. Last couple last things. You mentioned Michigan, or excuse me, you mentioned Ohio State, 70-30 pass to run. Is there a formula that TCU you think has to use in terms of offensive football? Yeah, I think uh, the Wolverine defense is really good. Anytime you face great defenses, you try to – I would always try to spread them out. Your quarterback, I think Duggins runs that ball 20 to 25 times. I think that's the way to equate numbers and try to balance things out a little bit, and he certainly can handle it. You know, you, if you had a game after this, which if they find a way to win, they do. But I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd, I'd put that uh, horse in the barn for the next 48 hours. You know, hydrate them, feed them, and then say, big boy, we're going to saddle you up. And I've done that with, with players say, you know, just get ready now. We, we need you to haul this team. And uh, they, they have a couple really good receivers, too. They're mismatches. But I think this is going to be a Duggan show. Spread them out. Let that kid run. You know what's funny about what you're saying is a lot of people would say, well, that's abusing a kid. That's, you know, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, no, that's what the kid wants. That's what the kid lives for, that kind of deal from a coach. No? No, that's exactly. Once again, it depends on the kid. Right. But, anybody but in Duggan's him, case. Oh, he's a monster. He's yeah. uh, He wants the world on his shoulders. He embraces it. And just watch the way he plays the game. He's one of my favorite players I've watched in the last 10 years. I, I got to tell you, he might be my favorite player. I, I don't give a rat's about TCU Baylor, but I'm watching every freaking play of it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't stop watching this kid. I, I, I'm with you on it. Hey, let me uh, – Kevin Warren possibly leaving the Big Ten. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, Kevin Warren has been great to me over the years. You know, he's a guy that took – I mean, man, he takes over and didn't have much college experience, and then COVID hits. and. You know, I'm not sure you whatever decisions you make, you're going to get hammered by everybody. Right. You know, that's 50 50 on people on what you should do. So I have a great appreciation for Kevin Warren. I heard that yesterday. And, uh, you know, I know he's got an NFL background, but to say that, you know, other than I have a lot of respect for Kevin Warren. You know, it's funny. One of the things that I respect out of people is when they can say, all right, I made a decision. I learned and I changed, and now we're going to do it this way, not just be so hard-headed or prideful that they stick. And that's I, I learned to admire Ke Ohio State fans were going nuts on Kevin Warren. And look, they love football, but I thought when he listened to constituents 
and said, all right, you know, let's try this. I, I, I got a lot of respect for a guy that can admit something like that. Yeah, because if he would have put his feet in the ground, we would have lost a season. Right. You, Justin Fields was one of the, you know, it was that was an incredible story. And there's a lot of people, and I know for a fact, there's a lot of people in the higher-ups that said stand down on this thing. And Ryan Day, or really Justin Fields, Ryan Day, they said, no, we're not. This is our lives. This is our chance to play, do something we love, and we're going to keep fighting, and eventually they won. Yeah. Hey, I'll let you go, man. Where, where are you at? I'm in Atlanta. We got the Big Ten Network today with Joshua Perry, my former captain and national champion. So I, I can't wait to hang with him at the – at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. By the way, that's a beautiful place today. And then uh, uh, ESPN obviously has the game, but we'll do like a halftime and a post game. I miss our guys at Big New Kickoff. You know, we, I wish we were all here with Reggie and Matt and Brady but, and then Rob Stone, but uh, we're not. But it's going to be – this will be one for the ages, I really believe. When you watch – when you stand to watch this, you'll see names on that field that you're going to hear in the NFL for the next 10 years. Uh, last, last thing. Ryan Day. Uh, this is a hell of an opportunity for Ryan Day, is it not? I mean, this washes away everything. It does. And what's amazing, he's, I don't know his exact record, but in four years, <laughs> lost five games. And the problem is it's been the last two. And, you know, I learned that years ago when I was with Woody Hayes, you can win. And I told Jerry DiNardo on Big Ten Network, he looked at me one time, he says, you really believe that? I said, of course I believe that, that, you can win them all and you lose that one. And it's a tough, it's a tough season. So this could erase a lot of it. Uh, but he, first of all, he's elite at everything he does. He recruits, he coaches, they have a infrastructure that's second to none with the strength staff, et cetera, et cetera. So this, uh, this is obviously a huge game for coach day. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, my friend. Thanks. Good to see you, Dan. Good seeing you as well. Urban and I kicked the crap out of my brother and my nephew in a golf match. And, I mean, they're still crying, I think. I don't know. It's what we do. It's uh, it's how we roll. All right, we got a lot to get to. I got the gun show coming up. I don't know what to tell you, but you're not getting any better breakdown of the weekend in football than what you heard right there. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know... I I hate, I hate the world of human trafficking. I hate the world of rape. I hate the world that we live in where sexual exploitation, particularly of children, you know, I've talked about it numerous times on this show. I, I was the guy as a kid that couldn't watch Wizard of Oz because Dorothy was in trouble. Uh, I was the guy that couldn't watch Bambi because Bambi's mother died. I'm that kind of whatever you want to call me. I don't care. So this Andrew Tate thing uh, has me uh, kind of sickened. Like, look, I understand that when you are a boxer or you're a UFC fighter, everybody is a promoter. I get all that. But when you promote things that exploit women, I'm just not down for. So we're going to give you a little timeline here 
on Andrew Tate. So Andrew Tate is a misogynist, male-dominant guy, right? And he's got all this stuff. And somehow, some way, this world is nuts because somehow, some way, he gets into a hassle with 19-year-old Greta Thornburg. Now, when last seen, Greta Thornburg was wailing in front of Congress as like a 12 or 13-year-old, I don't understand it, talking about climate change. Now, look, I don't know enough about Greta Thornburg, but I know this, I don't care about what some 13 or 14-year-old thinks about climate change, but apparently I am in the minority. But Greta Thornburg is somebody that we're all supposed to uh, admire, I guess. Look, taking that aside, somehow this guy, Andrew Tate, this insane, crazy, misogynist, whatever you want to call him, gets in a hassle with Greta Thornburg. I'm telling you, you couldn't put this in the movies. Let's show the video here of Greta Thornburg fi firing back at this Andrew Tate clown. Release some greenhouse gases. I'm obviously a stranger to online controversy. It's not something I often do. But now, the mainstream press is commenting on the fact that I was informing Greta that my very extensive car collection with internal combustion engines, which run on dead dinosaurs, have an enormous emission profile. And she replied by telling me her own email address. Greta's email address is, I have small dick energy. Why would that be your own email address, Greta? Strange. I mean, also, I don't want to assume her gender. It's 50-50, but it is what it is. I'm not actually mad at Greta. Please bring me pizza and uh, make sure that these boxes are not recycled. Thank you. So I'm not actually mad at Greta, right? Because she doesn't realize she's been programmed. She doesn't realize she's a slave of the matrix. She thinks she's doing good. Someone has sat her down and convinced her to try and convince you to beg your government to tax you into poverty to stop the sun from being hot. And then, because I called her out on it, the global matrix got this bot farm to like and retweet and all this bot commenting to try and pretend that her telling me that she has a small dick in her own email address somehow teaches me a lesson. Welcome to a new episode of The Clown Show. But now I know, at least, that Greta, with a little hate-filled face, bitter, sitting somewhere without the heating on, in the cold, little hat, shivering. <laughs> Use my tweets, which is going to make my Twitter account far more fun into eternity. All right. We didn't have the video in order, but that is this clown, uh, Andrew Tate's kind of response. Let's go back and show what caused that video by Tate. This is Greta Thornburg's reaction firing back at Andrew Tate. Oh, all right. Then we're going to talk about the pizza box. We got a little mix up here. So you saw the pizza boxes there. Now, let me know if we can play the Andrew Tate arrested. Uh, he calls, he says that he is going to be arrested. He gets arrested. And one of the reasons he's arrested is because of those pizza boxes right there. Those pizza boxes gave away his location. He's in Romania. 
So whether he's arrested or detained, he's been detained, arrested, whatever you want to talk about, for 24 hours. Let's see the video of Tate arrested because of pizza boxes. So there you go. Somehow in this wackadoodle world that we live in, we got a UFC fighter smoking cigars in Romania talking about 70,000 cars that he has, $8 million, bazillion dollars that he has. And somehow, someway, we've got a 19-year-old, uh, Greta Thornburg, that is important enough to warrant finding this guy I guess, and arresting him because the pizza boxes. The pizza boxes gave you away. So this guy, Tate, who by all accounts, I don't know whether or not the charges against him are true, false, if the government is coming at him. I have no idea, but I do know this. I do know this. If they are true, this guy needs to go to jail and needs to go to jail for a long, long, long time. He talked about the Matrix sent their agents. All right. Well, we have an issue with the Greta Thornburg, but he is, all right, suspected, I'm just going to say, that one of the suspects raped a victim on at least two separate occasions in March of 22, and six victims were allegedly sexually exploited by the organized criminal crime group that Tate apparently led. Now, Tate, for those of you that don't know, is a former professional kickboxer, is known for viral rants online about male dominance, female submission, and wealth. He openly advocates violence against women and had been banned from every major social media platform until Elon Musk brought him in. All right. Many adults, school teachers voiced alarm about his misogynic ideas taking root in the minds of countless young boys. It was taken down. He had racked up about 11 point six billion views next thing you know uh he's arguing with greta thornburg and next thing you know he is arrested we will keep you up to date on the stupidity that this is we will keep you up to date because well frankly people are interested in andrew tate you're gonna have to explain to me Somebody, please, anywhere, you got to explain to me how in the world Greta Thornburg and Andrew Tate come together and the Matrix all of a sudden sends the police. Now, look, I understand what a lot of you are saying, and I agree with this. Human trafficking, sure, Andrew Tate uh, gets arrested. He's obviously on the, uh, in the wrong, and I hope he goes to jail for a long, long time. And a lot of you are saying, well, what about the list? of the Maxwell lady. What about Bill Clinton? What about all of these people that we have that are famous, that are popular out here, that are involved in sex trafficking? And I got to tell you, I'm with you on that. I am so with you on that. Look, you're telling me Ghislaine Maxwell is in jail for sex trafficking. Jeffrey Epstein is dead after being in jail for sex trafficking. And you're telling me they didn't traffic anybody? There's no Johns here. There's no, there's no, no, nobody in on any of these black lists, no black book lists, nobody on Epstein's Island has been charged with anything other than one lady. That's it. One guy goes to jail. He ends up dead. 
One lady is in jail. She apparently has to say about every week that she's not suicidal because she knows people are coming at her. But nobody, no matter how many names are in these books, nobody, and I mean nobody, has been exposed or charged. Prince William, that clown, I think it's Prince William, whatever his name is, he's walking around, disgraced, but walking around. You tell me how this works. Now, look, I'm not upset about Andrew Tate being around. Arrest his ass. Arrest everybody that's involved in this crap. That's pretty simple. That's very simple. And Tate knew he was going to be arrested. That's why he said the Matrix have come for him. It is a fascinating, fascinating fascinating deal. But I'm with you guys. Arrest Tate, lock the door, put the key away, let him rot. But let's find others too. Let's put as much energy into these others that we are putting into Andrew Tate. I want to know what was Bill Clinton? What was Donald Trump? What were any of these folks doing on Epstein's Island? At some point, I guess we'll find out, but will we really? I've talked for years. Yeah, I meant Andrew. My bad. Uh, at some point, at some point, yes, Prince Andrew, my bad. At some point, ladies and gentlemen, we will know. When that point is, I don't know. But at some point, we got to say, hey, look, man, I've had about enough. I think we've all had about enough of the protection that the oligarchy, the deep state gives to others in the deep state. And I know a lot of you all, I know a lot of you all are losing your minds because I mentioned deep state or oligarchy. Well, pay attention and read a book. Listen to somebody outside of your comfort zone and you will hear much about the oligarchy and you will hear much about the deep state, period. Period. And don't at me about it. I pay attention to this stuff. That's it. And I hate when I got to tell you, don't at me about it, but don't at me about it. Because if you are paying attention, then you will see what I have seen. Period. Boom. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but there are a few people in this world that I believe have total, true, iconic status. And you know who one of them is? Pele. Rest in peace, Pele. I didn't know nothing about soccer. I didn't know. But I know this. When I was a kid, I knew Pele. We all knew Pele. Everybody said when they were playing soccer in the backyard, I get to be Pele. Now, I've watched highlights of Pele, and he was different. He was faster, clever, smart, rest in peace, man, 82 years old. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an icon. If you don't know, you need to know. If you like the Premier League, if you like the World Cup, and you don't know Pele, you need to know. Because that man was it. Muhammad Ali, Pele. And then you take whoever else you want. But in the pantheon, of absolute greatness, Muhammad Ali, Pele, shoulder to shoulder. And you could put, I don't know, Jesse Owens in there. But Jesse Owens was before my time. I read about him. I knew him. I admired him. But he was ahead of my time. Pele, I caught when I was a kid, man. 
And I got to tell you, we all wanted to be Pele when we were playing soccer. That's just what we wanted to be, period. And you're nodding your head right now, aren't you? Because you all are saying the same thing if you're of a certain age, meaning probably over 50. You're nodding your head going, yeah, man. Then he came to New York, and it was unbelievable when Pele came to New York. So rest in peace, Pele. I couldn't tell you his real name, and I don't care about his real name. I could tell you Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was born Lou Alcindor, but I couldn't tell you Pele. And look, like Cher, I don't need to. I don't know Cher's name. I know Kahali's name. It's actually Haley. But Pele, don't know. Muhammad Ali, do know. There you go. All right. Uh, which NFL teams clinch this week? Which NFL teams are on a heater? Which NFL teams will make the playoffs? Well, I'll tell you one that won't. I'll tell you one that won't. We got a little graphic here for you, uh, but I'll tell you which ones you won't. Clinching scenarios. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers clinch the South with a win over the Panthers. New York Giants clinch a playoff berth with a win over my beloved Colts. A loss this week uh, will eliminate the Raiders, the Steelers, the Jets, and the New Orleans Saints. Now, if you can read that, God bless you. There are the teams that have clinched right there. The Eagles, the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Cowboys. They have clinched in the NFC. AFC, a little bit different, barely the same. The AFC South is coming down to one game. The Jaguars and the Titans. Kansas City, clinched. Josh Allen, clinched. Joe Burrow, clinched. Lamar Jackson, clinched. Justin Herbert, clinched. One wild card left, it won't be the Colts. And an AFC, it won't be the Colts. And I'm very sad about the fact that it won't be the Colts. I want it to be the Colts for one reason and one reason only. And those of you that listen to this show and listen to my other show will understand this. Thank you, my lovely wife, will understand I want the Colts playing because I want appointment TV. Period. Period. When I sit my fat dupayash down for Wild Card Sunday or Saturday or Tuesday, I don't even care what day it is, I would like to have a vested interest. I would like to have a team in there that is like, oh, that's my team. So the two teams, and I don't know how you guys are. Please tell me. I'm going to go to the YouTube chat in a minute. By the way, we got the gun show on, and it's going to be raucous. It's going to be insane. You don't want to miss the gun show. Mike Gunzelman coming up here in about three minutes. You do not want to miss this. But when I sit down, there are only two teams that I truly, truly followed throughout the course of my childhood and adulthood. One childhood bears, two adulthood was the Colts when I moved to Indianapolis. And i got to tell you, with both of them out, I'm going to watch every minute of every game, and I'm going to have a great time doing it, but it isn't the same as waiting and seeing, man, the Colts play at 4 o'clock. I'm jealous of you Chiefs fans. I'm jealous of you Cincinnati Bengals fans. I'm jealous of you Buffalo Bills fans because you've got a quarterback in there that's going to bring you to the playoffs for a long, long time. You know what I got? I'll tell you what I got. What has two thumbs and has Nick Foles as their quarterback? This guy. I don't want Nick Foles as my quarterback. I don't want to watch three interceptions. 
I don't want that the best option for my team is Nick Foles. I don't want that. I want the best option for my team is Josh Allen. The Colts could have drafted Josh Allen. You know who they took instead? A guard, a generational guard. And I was stupid enough to say, that's a good pick. I'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yeah, it's the gun show, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Gunzelman at the GUNZ show. Uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, they even got. I don't know, Mayor Pete to stop breastfeeding and 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 get out there. What what's he what's going on with Southwest? I mean, you want to talk about uh, the week from hell, not only for uh from a from the Southwest company standpoint, Dan, but also obviously anybody who was trying to travel around. And you know, it, it is funny that uh, yeah, Mayor Pete, Department uh, Department of Transportation, even Biden is now trying to get involved. But there's a lot of different layers to this. I mean, we've all seen it. You've been reporting on it, Dan, as well that. Uh, you know, this was a colossal collapse all across the board here. And you just feel terrible. You never want to mess with people during the holidays, Dan. This could not have come at a worse time for Southwest. We always knew that they were, uh, you know, you're talking Southwest, you're talking Spirit. Those are the cheaper type of uh, more affordable airlines, and you're going to expect some delays. But the fact that they counted and uh, canceled, I should say, 90% of flights on the one day this week, thousands upon thousands of flights last couple of days, is, uh, it's, it's probably the worst optics that a company has had in a very long time, Dan. I mean, they it is going to be, it is going to take them a long time to be able to gain the public's trust back if they're ever even able to. Because now we're seeing, and you always gotta love this, Congress wants to get involved because of course Congress loves pandering anytime that they see, oh, I, I, sometimes I truly believe that like AOC and some of these other people just go on Twitter and they'll see something trending and they'll be like, let me get mad about that. Let me, maybe I can get a couple more votes if I get angry at that. Now, the Southwest thing, of course, is a legitimate concern affecting tens of thousands of people all across the country. But I do kind of, um, I urge caution when people are like, oh, well, the government's here to fix this. And we learned anything throughout the 200 plus year history of the country. Whenever the government gets involved, that's usually a bad thing. And they're already talking about perhaps investigations. I'm worried, Dan, that it might lead to more regulations. And then that actually might screw things up even further. But yes, you're exactly right. It has been a, it has been a week from hell for Southwest. And I don't know if they, if they truly ever recover from this. Their stock price is already down 9% this week. But the, the public image, the optics, the PR nightmare that they're now going to have to slowly crawl back from might not uh, might not be able to happen. Is it? All right. 
I get that people, particularly at the holidays, are anxious. They everybody's got to get to where they got to get right. to. Okay, I get. Are people being a little unfair to Southwest because you can't screw with Mother Nature? Am I? I I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, Dan. Something tells me you were not stranded for two days in an not. airport. I was not. Absolutely was. No, I was not. No, full disclosure. I, my fat, you know what, has been right here for ten, uh, two weeks. Sounds like somebody who's been hanging out in Florida for the last yes. couple of days in a sunny, yes. in a sunny tropical atmosphere rather than being yes. stuck at JFK Airport. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, you, you do have a point, like, sort of. I, uh, it's almost like <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of uh, consideration for what you said, Dan, because it's not like Southwest. It's not like the other airlines weren't also affected by this. It's not like, oh, the weather just affected Southwest Airlines. It affected the whole all across the board. So why? And this actually has to be looked into by you know shareholders or whatever. Like the, some, They need answers here because we've heard the story change so much. But why was Southwest not able to get things back on track till at least four or five days later when everybody else, when everybody else was able to, and they all dealt with the same weather conditions? Now, we did see initially, and we always love when this happened, how the narrative changes. They initially said, oh, well, you know, we were on, you know, we, they originally said we were prepared. We had all the staff in place. But it was an unprecedented storm and went up and beyond. Now, I'll give them that. Okay, I will meet you halfway. I'll be like, you know what? It did. You know, you look at the terrible things that happened up in Buffalo with, you know, people passing away and dying and stuff like, yes, it, uh, certain countries, certain parts of the country definitely got hit um, a lot worse than was originally intended or expected. But then they switched it a couple of days later after, you know, there were more reports and whistleblowers coming from Southwest themselves and the Pilots Association being like, you weren't prepared at all. Built on a staffing uh, situation, but more importantly, and I guarantee we are going to learn more about this, is that they have been warned. They were warned for years by the Southwest Pilots Association and others that the infrastructure wasn't there. Dan, these people are still running like Windows 95 and Netscape browsers down there, like in Southwest right now, because they, the, 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 from an IT component to the website crashing to, you know, people being on hold, they're like, oh yeah, just give us a call. Nobody's answering that phone. You are, nobody's answering that phone when they tell you to call them. So the infrastructure clearly is not up to par. And finally, Dan, it is a bad thing. And believe me, I'm always, I'm always here for, uh, you know, I'm always here to make a deal. You know what I mean? I'll look for the, the cheapest thing at times. Let's go, right? It is a bad thing and a horrible look when Spirit Airlines is doing better than U.S. Southwest. When Spirit uh, Airlines has gotten through all this unscathed, that's horrible for Southwest. When their customer base is like, maybe I'll go to Spirit now. That's not good. And the internet and social media run the world right now. Social media runs the world. The internet remains undefeated. I truly don't know if Southwest is going to be able to come back from this because they are getting so land. When you're trending for more than one day in a row, five days in a row now, that's not good. That's not ideal. So Southwest I, is uh, screwed. South worst, I will back you. South worst is screwed. <laughs> I will back you on spirit because my daughter, my stepdaughter, my stepson, 
my wife's ex-husband all flew back on spirit from either Punta Gorda or right here. And I got to tell you, no delays, direct flight. Now, you're sitting on a box spring. That's what your seat is. We all understand that. But, hey, they weren't stranded even though they wanted to be stranded. So I'll give you spirit. Disney is no longer the happiest place on earth. We're brawling at Disney. We come to Disney. We want to throw hands, Mike. And Disney ain't happy about it. They're urging kindness. Let's yeah. be kind at Disney. What is going on? I mean, it's just the uh, they're trying to turn anybody that's been to the Magic Kingdom knows that one of the lands that they have is called Fantasyland. They're trying to bring a Fantasyland to the real world right now. Now, you know, speaking of airlines, the last couple of years, what's been the story about people flying? People are losing their minds, Dan. We hear stories about fights, going after the flight attendants, all that. Well, now that's, that's coming to the happiest place, the most magical place on earth with Disney. So much so that earlier this week, they actually had to uh, add a courtesy and change their guidelines. They're really asking people to be nice with each other. And that's because as a video you see right there, people are throwing down, fists are happening. People are fed up. I mean, and I don't blame them, Dan. Dan, Disney once again raised prices. The average price to go to the Magic Kingdom right now is over $160 a day per person. And on top of that, they changed it so that you can't just go to all the parks. Each ticket is only for one or you have to upgrade. It's going to cost you $250 or whatnot in order to go to multiple parks. So people are on edge from the last couple of years to begin with. You have your kids freaking out because the lines are two plus hours. And then on top of that, they're like, I just dropped a grand just to sit, just uh, just to wait in line in Disney World and get accosted and yelled at and possibly getting in a fist fight with some psychopath. Everybody's on edge. The, the idea, ju just the idea of, all right, this is how I think. I think like, all right, I got my kids, I got my wife, we got our snacks, we're at Disney, and next thing you know, I'm in the shadow of Magic Mountain throwing hands with some guy, and I the, the fight's over, Mike, and I got to look at myself and go, what did I just do? <laughs> Like, what the hell did I just do here? What 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 happened here, Mike? You know Ima I mean? <laughs> Imagine getting arrested, and some of these people have been arrested, and then try to apply for a job, and you know the and you, and and the boss is like, oh, well, it seems they got arrested here. What happened? It's like, uh, I got in a fist fight at Disney World of all places. Like, sir, I don't think you're right for this position. Yeah, you're like, if you're throwing down at Disney World, you got some issues. But I understand. You know, a lot of people have kind of looked into this, the Disney Reddit threads and more like, what's happening? Why is this happening so much? Because it's not just the video that you saw. It's happening a lot more. I mean, Disney, Disney, which turns a blind eye to so much, like holier than thou, like, oh, don't look at it. Everything's great. It's all, you know, we're Mickey and Minnie. Everything's great. The fact that Disney had to come out and make a statement and put it on both Disney World and Disneyland saying, please stop fighting with each other. Like, stop, stop the lunacy shows that this is actually happening a lot more than we even know about and that it's bad. So, yeah, I mean, 
Disney is, uh, when people are fighting at Disney World, I mean, it's just absurd to even talk about and say, because it's supposed to be so happy, but people are so fed up and there's so much going on behind the scenes when, when you know that you're kind of, I mean, no matter what, every theme park and amusement park, you're going to wait in, 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 in long lines. But when you're spending so much money and you're, they're not even meeting you halfway and everyone's high, you know, everyone's on edge to begin with. Sometimes you might just you gotta get let you, you just gotta let loose, and it goes further, as we've seen, as I mentioned, with people fighting in the on the airlines the last couple of years, and you know you go to a bar like I, I people we're losing it as a society, Dan. This goes beyond. I mean, we've hit the bottom of the barrel when we're going to fight at Disney World, but everybody's on edge. We've lost our social skills. We've lost any way to social interact, and if adults can't do it, which we clearly are seeing as they're fighting throwing punches at Disney World, then you can only imagine what the mandates and the lockdown and staying inside and kids not being able to go to school, what that's going to affect them for years to come. Because if adults can't come back from this normal, and clearly they can't, then you can only imagine the younger kids as they try to get back into a real world when they've lost out on two plus years of any social development. I have a rule, and I've, I've stayed with this rule. Uh, I never drink a beer, nothing, when I go to my kids' events, whether, like, literally, the guys at, hey, come on up to the Red Building, we're having beer. I, no, I never do that. Right. And we always went to Cedar Point. I lived an hour, hour and a half from Cedar Point. And I would never have alcohol at an amusement park because, frankly, um, I had to go on all the rides with one of, you know, my kids, and I didn't want to puke over everybody. Or, you know, so I think, look, I always say it's one of two things. It's either alcohol or some kind of mommy-daddy discrepancy, whatever it is, that makes people crazy. But maybe in Disney's case, um, Disney heel is bad, by the way. Disney heel sucks, and it makes you crazy. If you've ever been to Disney, your heels start killing you. Yeah. But number two, Disney price needs to be added to Disney heel as one of the three things, alcohol, mommy-daddy stuff, Disney heel hurts, so I'm going to fight. And Disney price. We got four Disney things. That's it. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. When you know, like, you know the, the the father after, like, hour number four of walking around in the heat of Florida oh. in the middle of July. Oh. And the kids are or kids want everything or freaking out. And they drop the ice cream on the concrete. And, they're you know, they're crying. And then they want to go to the Peter Pan ride. And it's a two-and-a-half-hour wait. And you have to try and keep them entertained. You know that... As the father's walking or the parents are walking a couple hours in, they're just like, I cannot believe we just spent so much money. Oh. That, that's 160, I think it's $164 is what I reported for just one ticket for one person per day for one park. It's just like, not only am I dealing with this emotionally, mentally, and frustrated, oh, I'm also getting jacked here when it comes right. to the actual cost. But it right. is, But speaking of costs, I do want to get this in. It has been a year, a horrible year from Disney standpoint, Dan. They are down 43% as far as stock prices go. It's the worst annual showing for Disney in five decades. That's not a good look. I mean, you're down 43% and you have the, all the Star Wars and the Marvel and clearly people are going, you know, all the theme parks are open. They haven't fully been open the last two and a half years. The theme parks are open, and you're still down 43%. They have a big, 
big problem going on. And it's more than just people fist fighting. But I do love how they're just like, how they wrote a statement for that. They issue a statement about, you know what, everybody, it's literally called the courtesy statement. They put that on their website. But can you please explain to the shareholders, of which I am one, because I bought the dip a couple years ago, but guess what? It's not a dip anymore because it's lower now from when I bought it. Can you please tell me what you're going to do so I don't keep losing money from the stock because you dropped 43% this year and you're dizzy. They have a lot of issues. Fist fights are the least of them. <laughs> um, this seems to pop up every year. This, Mike, seems to be something where, you know what, I, I don't even know what to say about it. Merry Christmas is offensive to those that are depressed. Well, okay. It's offensive. Big yeah. deal, right? Walk me through this. So. I did the story last night on uh, for Outkick. You can check it out, of course, outkick.com, everybody. Guns here. And just search for the articles. You'll see them. So I did this last night. This goes up and beyond that because you're right. Every single year we hear, you know, people that are offended because Christmas has, you know, the word Christ in it. And, and uh, they're upset on religious grounds about it. And, you know, you're, you're putting some of your, your faith on others and all that. Dan, this has nothing to do with that. Because we're used to hearing that every year. This is a popular YouTube influencer. He used to work at... Facebook and Google, all right? Some tech guy. So I'm sure he's a lot of fun at parties. And he, his, um, his argument, and he tweeted this out and got absolutely crushed about it, was he saying that the words Merry Christmas are actually offensive because it can hurt people that are depressed. That when you're bringing too much good cheer and joyfulness out there in the world, that you can't, you shouldn't do that because somebody, somebody might be having a bad day and you don't want to make them feel even worse. This type of thinking is lunacy. All right. I could understand. I don't agree with it, but I understand people be like, oh, it's Christmas Christ. Okay. We hear that a lot. But to say that you can't... you, to not, you're telling me I can't have a good day. I can't live my life. I can't be happy about myself because somebody else's life sucks and that they might be upset about it. What kind of mindset is this? Like, so we're all supposed to be upset. We're all just supposed to be emo and upset and depressed together. Like, how does that help? How does that help others? But that is this mindset that we're seeing more and more of, Dan. It goes to that story I came on a couple of weeks ago and I referenced this in my article. The Gen Zer parents that weren't going to teach their young kids about Santa Claus because they're worried that the kids will be traumatized when they find out that he might not be real later on. What are we doing here? The world isn't all just daisies, people. It's not a utopian to be like, oh, you know, people are are, are down and depressed, and you know, you shouldn't be, uh, you know, they might get even more hurt if you're uh, if you're having a good day. We are screwed as a society, Dan, if this continues. Mike, I, here's what I always say. This is a baby. The doctor pats your ass when you come out of the, uh, out of the uterus. Boom, boom, boom. You cry. The doctor doesn't then say, <laughs> life is going to be peaches and cream. You'll never yeah. cry again. He doesn't say you're going to go through life unoffended. He doesn't say everything's going to be easy. The Bible doesn't say it. Nothing says it. So you get your backside smacked. Hey, live life. Shut up. Deal with it. Ah. 
we've gone a society, we, we've gone society has changed so much where it used to be physical altercations with one another. So you go from physical to then like a belief system where people are now arguing with each other over beliefs. It's like, well, I don't believe what you're preaching or, or saying. So now we're going to argue about that. But now we've taken it even a step right. further where if somebody might be emotionally upset or having a bad day, that we have to now take that into account and cater to them. You can't keep pandering and catering. And listen, mental health is a real thing. Mental illness is a real thing out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that more and more people are talking about it. Life sucks and people are going through terrible things out there. And I, I, I'm glad the stigma of like, the mental health isn't, you know, people aren't being shamed anymore if they want to see therapy to each their own. But if you're really upset about somebody saying Merry Christmas because it's going to bring you down, I don't know if there's enough therapists in the world yeah. to help you there. But no, this mindset, nothing. they just, they just, they take it and they take it. You see this all the time. People love to complain. Social media has given that. We take it to a whole new level. People can complain about anything, okay? But now it's not only that they uh, they want to complain, they love complaining. They get off by complaining. They literally get satisfaction out of being a pain in the ass. And we're seeing that all across the board. They love complaining and being a pain. And they, they just want people to talk about them. They just want to everybody to... Um, cater to them, abide by their beliefs. It's not going to happen. You can't have it. Can't happen. It can't happen. No. Uh, TKO Sports says I'm not offended, but let's not pretend it's a religious holiday. It has nothing to do with Jesus or the Bible. Man-made holiday. Okay, whatever, man. I don't know. I go to church on it, so it's a pretty much a religious <laughs> holiday to me. I'm not saying it has to be to everybody. I'm just, yeah. you know, okay. I mean, uh, you do you. Um, are you a, I, I am, and my kids make fun of me. I, I make a New Year's resolution about weight loss every Sunday night. Oh, every um, Sunday night. Okay. Every Sunday night. They go, what is it this week, dad or Dan or whomever? Right. Are you a resolution guy? You know, Dan, I've uh, come to realize that uh, I don't like starting the year off with an automatic L. <laughs> why why do i want to give myself a resolution when i know and i have 30 years of experience that i'm not going to follow by it why do i want to start the new year off already depressed <laughs> within the first couple of days that is such a horse bleep approach that is so <laughs> awful that is so terrible can you you're tell i'm a millennial at disney by march by march you're gonna be throwing hands with somebody at disney that is awful way to look at it. it's hope Hey, it's Obama. It's hope and change, baby. Hope and change. Oh, is that what we're hope going? Hope and change. <laughs> Listen, I uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Honestly, I'm not a big resolution person. It is always funny, and uh, if anybody is planning on being like, oh, I'm going to start going to the gym, don't go on Monday because 80 percent oh, of the country is going to go on Monday. Wait till Tuesday when 50 percent of those people drop out, and then right. or just wait a full right. week, and you can get any machine and exercise bike that you want if you just wait a week. Um, I don't think, listen, if people want to be like, hey, I need to reset, I need to recharge. How many times, you know what's nauseating though? Everybody be like, new year, new me, Dan. It's a oh, new geez. year, new me. You got the hashtag, like, 
or then they have to then they have to go on you talk about like social media postings and everybody knowing what you're doing catering they go on these long diatribes and like eight paragraphs on their hope for the new year what how they're going to be different and i love that's what the internet remains undefeated receipts sometimes just sending them back to them and be like oh did you say that you weren't going to do that um but no I'm, I'm definitely not a resolution person people want to be better or nicer out there than and you need January 1st to make you uh, be that way. Something tells me that um, there's no hope for you to begin with. <laughs> my, my, one of my former players just said, hey, look, I went ahead and made a New Year's resolution for me and my wife. He said, my resolution is to drop 20 pounds. My resolution for my wife is so she can wear yoga pants every day. How you doing? How you doing? All right. Let's. Well, they do say they do say that uh, you know it, it's easier to make a resolution with somebody else. But uh, honestly, if somebody, if it's say, if it's May, if you're down in Florida in May or the summertime, all right, and you're having a conversation with somebody at a bar or wherever, maybe Disney World, and they're like, and they're just you know they're telling they're like, yeah, my New Year's resolution. If somebody's referencing their New Year's resolution in May, you got like. <laughs> <laughs> leave walk out of that bar immediately if somebody's bringing up their resolution as their as, as what made them change for that year right <laughs> right that's a great I, wait, now i'm thinking about it because i was thinking you know what january 1st i'm losing 20 pounds i'm gonna get healthier i'm gonna blah 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 blah, blah. and when you just said that about may my thought was, well, even if I do the resolution of losing 20 pounds, that'll be done by like, I don't know, March 1st, couple months. And then by May, I'll be a fat, you know what, again. Yeah. And nobody will, yeah, no, I, you're right. You, can, and you, you just came around full circle with what yes. I initially said. Why even get your hopes up? Why even bother to set yourself up for failure, Dan? You know it's not going to happen. Just live your life to the fullest. <laughs> you know, you take off the 20 pounds, you're going to double that. You're going to gain that back double by the time the summer comes. Boy, I, I, I just don't like when people are, are right. Yeah. I just don't. <laughs> I, just, I just can't stand. All right, last thing, because I got to get everybody's uh, thoughts on this. Georgia... Ohio State, Texas, excuse me, TCU, Michigan. Give me your prediction. I hate Michigan, so let's not go Michigan. Wow. <laughs> Strong. What's is there a background here? Do we is uh, there something? I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame fan and I hate everything about Michigan. I also just uh don't like people that went to Michigan. To come to think of it, one of my ex-girlfriends, Dan, broke my heart and she went to Michigan. So they're dead to me. So because yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. about me, oh, right? I get it. I, yeah. I think uh, that Georgia of Ohio State, like, oh, those teams are so good. I mean, I, I, I will never root for Michigan. I, I, you know, Michigan's had a hell of a run. I will say, um, I mean, I'm going to go Georgia. I mean, no surprise, not really a shock. The bottom line is three of these four teams are, are unbelievable. Some would argue all four are unbelievable, but I think uh, let's go with Georgia. It's going to be a fun weekend, tell you that. Then I, I think that you have shown – that you really don't hate Michigan because any person that really, really hates Michigan oh, first would take TCU <laughs> and then they would take Ohio State because that sticks to, to Michigan what was even better. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. That's true. You're right. That's why. Don't at me, baby. Don't, don't at, at me. me. <laughs> That's, you know, uh, 
I'm just saying. I mean, anybody, but it- you know what? I hope they get blown out. That's so true. I'm putting, you know what? I'm putting all the money, putting on the points and the spread and the spread. Let's and go. The- Hey, have a great new year, my friend. And thank hey, you. Take for care, all everybody. Good luck with the resolutions. Keep your fists in the, to yourself at Disney. And uh, Godspeed if you're watching this from an airport terminal as you wait for Southwest. Oh, Not me. I'm in a bedroom here in beautiful <laughs> Naples. That is the gun show, ladies and gentlemen. He always brings it. Thank you, Mike. Uh, man, that is a lot of fun. Look, hey, I don't know. I I do. I seriously, my kids are like, Dad, it's Sunday night. Uh, what stupid thing, diet, are you going to go on? One time, and I want you to think about this before you criticize me, but one time I went on a diet where I said, I'm not eating in the house. Now, I want you, before you go, that's stupid. What are you eating fast food? Well, let me tell you. What I do is I pick, I walk by the kitchen, I get stuff out. I went on a diet where I said I'm not eating in the house. So I'd get a couple hamburgers from McDonald's and I would trim the bun, throw the bottom bun away, trim the top bun. And hey, I lost about 10 pounds. But eventually you got to eat in the house. That's the level of stupid that I have done over the years in diet. But I'm going to start again on the first. I'm going to start a 60-day get healthy plan. And if anybody is out there, and I'm going to go to the YouTube chat here. If anybody is out there, mostly you, Jennifer, uh, anybody out there, and you have an idea, but I'm going 60 days, 60 days of getting healthy. I'm going to start it on the 1st, which is what, tomorrow? I don't even know. No, Sunday. That's what I'm going to do. I'm starting it on the 1st. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, I need advice. I need answers. I need what you all think because I am, frankly, incapable, incapable of sustaining anything when it comes to resolutions. I am incapable of sustaining anything when it comes to diet. We got NFL. I'm going to give you some bets. We're going to win some money today. Dump soda completely. I've done soda. I don't do soda. I, I do diet soda. I don't drink sugar drinks. I got that part eliminated. All right? Hey, I'm not a sports ball person, but I like this DD guy. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Van Pasterman. Uh, you know, as a guy that has listened to our show, Van Pasterman, there is no chance of me sustaining anything. You know this. All right. Uh, We are going to get into the NFL, the college football playoffs. I'm going to tell you why we're going to win some money. I'm going to give you two games to bet today, today, where we're going to win a ton of green. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey, this just came down about 20 minutes ago, and I just saw this. I don't know, yesterday or two days ago, Killian Hayes and Mo Wagner. I love Mo Wagner. Mo is a friend of mine, one of my son's college roommates. But anyway, they got in a little tête-à-tête, and I've never seen this. I've never seen it. Maybe I just haven't paid attention, or maybe I have seen it, and I don't remember. But 11 players have been suspended. Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, Kevon Harris, Admiral Schofield, Franz Wagner, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr. were all suspended one game. Uh, Mo was suspended two games. Uh, Hamadou Diallo was suspended one game. And Killian Hayes was suspended a couple games. Guys got suspended for leaving the bench. So there you go. 11 guys suspended by the NBA. How about that? How about that action? That is unbelievable. Unprecedented. I like it. I don't know what to tell you. And oh, by the way, happy birthday, Sandy Koufax, the originator of Get Out of the Game Early, ladies and gentlemen. Get out early. All right. This is a monster this weekend. This is an absolute monster weekend across all sports. You got... NBA going, you got college basketball going. Obviously, you got the college football playoffs uh, going on. Let's start a little bit with the NFL and the schedule this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the games in the NFL are not that interesting. I mean, let's just be perfectly honest with you. The Monday night game, Buffalo and Cincinnati, it's at Cincinnati. And let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If you were Cincinnati or you were Buffalo, you're already in the playoffs, you already won your division, what would you do in this game? What would you do? That's a big question for coaches. I try to tell you how coaches would look at things. I'll tell you another interesting game, and it's an afternoon game, the Chargers. Chargers are in the playoffs. Rams are playing better. And the only thing that makes this interesting to me anyway is what is Baker Mayfield going to do? Like, why is it? I'm looking at all you guys on the YouTube chat. I'm looking at all you guys here on the Twitter and Facebook and everywhere that you're getting us on Outkick.com. And I'm asking you, why are we enthralled with Baker Mayfield? Why am I rooting for Baker Mayfield? I don't know. Even if he plays well, is he going to be the starting quarterback of the Rams? I don't know. Is Matthew Stafford coming back? Who in the heck knows? I do not know. But one thing I do know is that dude fascinates. That that dude has me. Don't know why he just does. I'm not saying it's, I don't know. I'll tell you someone else that does. What's going to happen with Miami? What is going to happen with Miami and New England? New England, I just want to give this to you. New England is seven and eight. 
Miami is eight and seven. Now, are they going to make the playoffs? Well, it looks to me like we talked earlier, there is a wild card open. Baltimore's already in. Cincinnati's already in. Nobody is going to make it from the AFC South. Kansas City already in. The Cardinal, excuse me, the uh, Chargers already in. So it really leaves a couple of teams here, possibly Pittsburgh, possibly New England, possibly Miami. I, for one, personally, I don't know about you, but I want Belichick in the playoffs. I think Belichick in the playoffs is interesting. I don't think Miami, without Tua in the playoffs, holds any interest whatsoever. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Like, what is interesting of a Tua-less Miami Dolphins team? Nothing. Nothing. I am anxious to see what happens in a couple of cities. One is mine. Nick Foles, my backside. Just play Sam Ellinger and forget about it. See if Sam Ellinger could be on a roster next year. I'm so tired of guys on the Colts roster that can't play. They keep them around. There's a guy named Michael Strawn, who's this long, wide receiver. Everybody tells me how good he is. It gives me a headache. See if Ellinger can play. Nick Foles can't. Matt Ryan is a statue. Get out of here. And the same thing in Las Vegas. I don't know about you. But I'm anxious to see if Las Vegas can play without Derek Carr. It wasn't so long ago that Derek Carr was the man. End of the season, I talked about it yesterday. Here's a game that I always watch. I don't even know who's going to quarterback. I don't know, and I don't care. But it is 8.20 at night on a Sunday night. I will be in Nash Vegas sitting in front of a television watching Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and I will tell you why. Dan, why? Well, funny you ask. Why? Because, well, frankly, those are the two teams with, in my opinion, the longest-running best cultures in the NFL. And I say longest-running. Right now, the best culture is probably the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, who are we kidding here? Kansas City Chiefs take a dump, and they get a touchdown, and they get in the playoffs, and next thing you know, uh, they are fantastic. But when you look long-term, and you say, who do I want to win a game? Or what game do I want to watch between two teams that are fun to watch, tough, aggressive, awesome? That is the Ravens and the Steelers, and don't at me about it. Just don't at me about it. Side note for you basketball fans out there, particularly those of you on the YouTube chat, uh, and those of you watching nationwide, the Indiana Pacers are a fun team. If you are into the NBA, and I'm not going to lie, I, for the first time, did not watch an NBA game on Christmas Day. But if you are into the NBA and you do have an interest in the NBA, do yourself a favor. Check out the young group of guys led by Tyrese Halliburton and watch the Pacers. I mean, they're pretty, pretty good. And not only are they good, but they're fun. And I cannot believe that I actually have said this. All right. Let me move it a little forward to you. All right. Let me just move it a little forward to today. Today. 
Today, ladies and gentlemen, is why you really, you truly, you absolutely love, don't like, love bowl season. You got Notre Dame. What more do you need to be said on a Friday? You got Clemson on a Friday. You know how we feel about Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer is our guy. He's playing Notre Dame on a Friday. Clemson is playing Tennessee on a Friday. These aren't even the biggest games. These aren't even the games that everybody is standing on their head and pooping snowballs over. These are just games on a Friday. Now, I got to tell you, I'm sorry, but I got to tell you, today, tomorrow, then might be the greatest days of the year. They might be. Because whatever you're doing today, you can be done with the day. And you know what you can do? You can watch the Orange Bowl. You can watch the Sugar Bowl. You can watch all of these great games on a Friday. Look, I'm going to give you my bets right now. All right? I'm going to give them to you. By the way, it is very weird that the Orange Bowl is being played in Arizona. Now, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sure there are – Lee, are there oranges in Arizona? There are? On trees? Yes. Really? Tempe, Tempe has oranges? Yeah. All right, never mind. Thank God for the Orange Bowl in Arizona. The Orange Bowl is in Miami. Why am I reading this? Oh, I'm sorry. It is down. Thank you, Davey. Okay, good. I don't know what's wrong with me. I was reading above. I'm reading down. The Orange Bowl is Hard Rock Stadium. I'm an idiot. Uh, Barstool Sports has a bowl. Our friend Lauren O'Connell, who was our producer to start with, she is head of all media for Barstool. We are very excited about her. Jacksonville is the home of all football. We know this because the Jaguars are playing well, Notre Dame. But I'm going to give you my two bets. I'm going to give you my two bets and do yourself a favor. Write these down. Write them down right now. All right? One, there is never a time, never, where Mike Loxley getting more time with his team is a good thing for that team. Now, I'm going to say it again. Mike Loxley, you can look this up, is the worst coach in the history of college football. He got resurrected, and he's doing better at Maryland, but look him up at New Mexico. There is no chance that a team of Mike Loxley's can get better with more Mike Loxley. So Maryland, where Mike Loxley coaches now, is playing David Doreen's team at North Carolina State. I'm not a big North Carolina State fan. I don't care even a little bit about North Carolina State. Not even some. In fact, in terms of bets plays, 52% of the money is on Maryland. I'm going the other way. I'm going North Carolina State. And again, don't take my advice. Don't do it. Except if you do it, you're going to win some money because you're betting not on North Carolina State. You are betting against Mike Loxley. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is always a good thing. Not kind of, not sometimes. That, ladies and gentlemen, always. A good thing. My next bet, I got to tell you. 
I got to tell you, um, this is going to be one of those things that we call a door dash bet. D-O-O-R-D-A-S-H. Now, why a door dash bet? Those of you new to the show, here's the deal. A couple years ago, I lost four grand opening day of the NCAA tournament. Purdue didn't get it done. Ohio State didn't get it done. And then the coup de grace late night, Texas lost to Abilene Christian. All of which I had live bet. I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. I felt guilty. I told my wife, I got to pay my family back. Never lost that much money. I looked for a job, a third job. I found it, door dashing. What? Yes, door dashing. I delivered food until I made four grand back. Now, that four grand took me a while. I did it every day. I swear, it took me almost to July. And I'm telling you right now, I did it whenever I had an opportunity. I'd wake up in the morning, go deliver a little bit. On my way home from my show, I'd stop, deliver some. At night, take an hour, door dash. Well, fast forward to this year. I made $4,100 on the NCAA tournament. So actually, I'm up four grand door dashing and extra 100. Toes are tapping. So we call bets on this show door dash slash mortgage bets. When you really believe in something, and I got to tell you, I believe in Clemson. I believe that Clemson is going to beat the brakes off of Tennessee. I'm sorry. I believe that. I believe that because, well, frankly, Hendon Hooker isn't playing. I believe that because, well, Clemson has found its footing. I believe that. Now, you may not believe that. The other bet that I like happens tomorrow. I like Iowa over Kentucky. I'm going to take a parlay of Clemson minus 215, and I'm going to take Iowa minus 135. I feel Kentucky to be a mess. I feel Kirk Ferentz to be solid and stable. But here's the deal with the Iowa-Kentucky game. The over-under is 31 points. My dog doesn't even like that. My dog thinks that's a dog. You can hear Lula in the background. My dog thinks that that is a horrific bet, but I don't care. I'm taking Clemson. I'm taking Iowa. And I may, may sprinkle in some New Mexico, or excuse me, some North Carolina State on that bad boy. If I sprinkle it in, that's plus 386, meaning if you bet 100 bucks, you get 386 back plus your 100, 486. It's a pretty good little deal. And you can do the math from there. I use 100 just because it rounds it off. I'll probably make a $50 bet, 25, who knows? But anyway, that is where I am headed. Dan, Spice Rack, Iowa won't win, and I'm an Iowa homer. Third-string quarterback never played before, and we're going to lose against our former backup quarterback. See, that's the kind of information that I like. But I will tell you this. I don't necessarily bet on who's playing. I bet on coaching staffs. I do. I bet on absolute coaching staffs. What do you mean by that? Well, Kirk Ferentz, yes, he's got a third-string quarterback. Yes, nobody's going to score points in this game. But I feel he's stable. I don't feel that way about Stoops, Mark Stoops, at Kentucky. I feel like Mark Stoops is, I don't know, kind of lost control of his squad. Levis isn't playing. They're with a backup as well. 
Anyway, that's just the way that I look at it. I'm not saying I'm right. In fact, I would argue I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to take it. It's my conviction. All right. Uh, last, last thing I want to jump back to. Can we all make a New Year's resolution in the media that we are going to try, 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 try to be honest, that we are going to try, try, try to do things on the up and up? And I'm going to get to the national championship games in my prediction, but I got to hit this first. The January 6th insurrection media circus trial, whatever you wanted to call it, that was on TV right in the middle of our day. And then they put it on network TV in prime time. It came up to a big old nothing. I want everybody that ran in there and jumped on desk and did damage to go to jail. They should. You can't have that in the United States. But we also can't have fraudulent trials. So why am I getting at? The subpoena that was sent to President Trump has been rescinded. They basically shut the whole thing down. And they did it simply to win the midterm, simply to smear the Republicans, those on the left, or excuse me, those on the right, the conservatives. Can we absolutely make a pact that those of us that see this get louder, those of us that don't like this get louder, those of us that see we don't cover get louder? Can we ask for Maxwell's list if we're going to go after, I think, and, and I think we should, human trafficking? Can we not have guys like Snoop Dogg that were pimps on all of our commercials? Can we not let the people go that were on Epstein's Island just because they are rich and famous? Can we do something legally, honestly, and with some integrity? And if not, can those of us that believe in what we believe and we believe we are right and we're tired of media influence, can we possibly, possibly stand up and be loud? There might be retribution. There always is, but who cares? You know me. I've had articles written. I've had people, personal attacks, actually uh, writer phys physically threaten me, all the kind of crap. Who cares? Can we just be gutsy enough and be loud enough in the new year to stand up for what's right? That's what OutKick is about. That's why this has been the best year that I have had. People say, well, Dan, I'm sorry, you know, you – you don't have your radio job anymore. I didn't want my radio job. I had, to make it, I had to make a choice. I wanted to be here. This show has grown. You know, people have joined it. We talk about Haley and Davey and Corey. We talk about Ryan and Dylan and Aaron and Haley and all the people. This show has grown and it's going to continue to grow. It's been the best year ever. Awesome. Slings and arrows and articles and people hating makes it awesome for me. Awesome. And I want to thank each and every one of you that support us, you guys that come on every day and have followed me over from my radio show to the YouTube chat, those of you that are filling up Twitter, this will be our most watched week of the year, right here, right now, as our show continues to grow. This will be the most paid attention to week that we have had. I saw something on MSNBC where they have like 80 5,000 viewers. We do more than that. How about that? And we do it every day. And we do it because of you. We do it because there is a segment out there, and a big segment, a big, big segment 
of people out there that just want the truth. You don't want woke nonsense. Disney stock is going down. Get woke, go broke. All right. So let's just understand that. And let me say thank you to everybody, Corey and David. I mean, when I need some, Corey is like Chuck. They set everything up. I'm going to Tampa. Next thing you know, there's a light, there's a camera, there's a background. I can't wait to see them all buy them a beer coming up this week. We're making our way to Nashville. We're going to co-host with uh, Jonathan on Monday. So I'm going to do my show Monday, and then I'm going to co-host with Jonathan in the afternoon. It'll be good to get back to doing a lot of hours. So thank you, every single one of you that has been involved. Thank you to Clay for giving me the opportunity to be here. Are you kidding me? And Gary and Aaron, our leaders, fantastic stuff. Before we go, I'm going to give you my pick for the national championship game. Zuh. I'm taking the Ohio State Buckeyes. This feels like the kind of game that Ohio State wins. Now, I don't know whether Stetson Bennett is the greatest quarterback in the world. He's fine. But I think Ohio State gets to him. Stetson Bennett has played against great defenses, and he's beaten them all. But I think Ohio State, with a little chip on their shoulder, that stinks. You know, Mike Tyson, famously, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I don't think... Ohio State's going to worry about that punch. I think Ohio State's going to beat Georgia. I do. I think, and I'm going to take the money line on Ohio State. I'm taking that. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. On the other side of it, I am going to take, excuse me, Michigan. I think Michigan covers the spread. I think Michigan wins by double digits. And I think it's going to set up. An unbelievable, first of its kind, never been seen before, wow, matchup between Ohio State and Michigan for the national championship. That's what I think. Michigan is a what? Seven and a half point dog. I think they cover that like it's their job. What I may do, just because this is me, is get rid of the hook. I hate the hook. I hate it. Now, Kuth says State has no chance. Dasman says uh, Michigan versus Ohio State. I want a Big Ten championship. Uh, Jim Eagle says no one's touching Georgia this year, DD. No one even close. Maybe so. But Kent played them pretty good. Number of games where Mich- or Georgia had to win it at the end. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'll take Ohio State, I'll take the money line, and I think they're going to win a national championship. We'll talk about that. Obviously, it's not like the NCAA tournament where the games are Saturday, Monday, and by the time we come back, then that, no, we will talk about the national championship game when it gets here. But I am taking Clemson tonight, I'm taking Ohio State, I'm taking Michigan, And I'm taking North Carolina State coming up here in about an hour. That's what I'm taking. You take whoever you want, but I know this. My toes are going to be tapping. Period. And we're going to get a national championship that is a rematch of Ohio State and Michigan. And 
I may just have to fly there. I may have to tell everybody, hey, look, I'm a college football writer for OutKick. I need two credentials, one for me and one for my wife. I'm just saying. Uh, again, I hope everybody has a happy and safe, productive new year. Thank you all. I cannot thank you enough for being here. Tell your friends. We are going to continue, ladies and gentlemen, to make this your go-to morning show where you got to go, man, Doc, it's told us that. On Monday, Mike Griffin, Dogs Nation, is going to join us. Mike will have the best insight into the Ohio State game. Our boy, Jennifer and Van Pasterman, Jason Bonetti, Sean Black, is going to join us. Bonetti is calling his first college foot, or excuse me, NFL TV football game. And then we got Bruce Pearl. I love Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl is not only a basketball coach, but he's standing up. He's standing up for his community. He's standing up for our nation. So anybody that does that, I am all in on. The great Bruce Pearl is going to not join us. Win some money. Have some fun this week. Remember, remember, you got to bet against Mike Loxley. Look it up. Call me whatever ist, whatever names you want. But understand, betting against Mike Loxley is making money. Clemson, with the new quarterback, is going to whoop up on, and I hate to say it because everybody in the background is a Vols fan. My daughter teaches in Nashville. All of her friends are Vols fans. Everybody's out of their mind in the Vols. But Clemson is going to whoop up on the Vols. I don't have insight into Notre Dame and you are USC. Well, it is South Carolina. I'm rooting for South Carolina because Shane Beamer comes on the show. But I've learned a long time ago, don't bet against the Irish. I'll take UCLA over Pitt as well. Anyway, you know my main bets. Have a wonderful, wonderful New Year. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, uh, Chuck. Thank you, Davey. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Kahaley. Thank you to everybody that helps us. I will see you Monday right here at Don't At Me. And then from 2 to 5, 3 to 6 Eastern, Jonathan and I are going to co-host on Outkick 360. Have a safe New Year.